Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long and what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
It is Friday. I'm Jesse Kelly's one and only Ask Dr. Jesse Friday show. What, Chris? It is the, the Jesse Kelly show is world famous, and we are here to solve major problems on a Friday. It's going to be a blast. What are we solving today? Well, as you can imagine, as per usual, your questions have me all over the map. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Are s'mores overrated? What is my personal technique for taking on a saltwater crocodile? If I have to be placed in an old, deadly scenario, natural disaster, which one do I choose? And lessons I teach my boys and how I teach my boys. All that and much, much more is coming up today on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. And remember, when you call 877-377-4373, you can call live if we don't answer It's because we ignored your call. No, I'm kidding. We just might not be here. might be too busy. Leave a voicemail. We'll play the voicemails on the air. And you can email during the show. All your emails go to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them out during the show for me all the time. Now, let's try to get through our history segment fairly quickly today because today is part two. I did a rare two-parter. You know that pops up on occasion, and what we were talking about, what we are talking about, is how the modern state of Israel came to be. And of course, this is hugely offensive to so many people, and it's awesome. That's why I love it. I love, I love, I don't know why I love it, but I love wading into the stuff nobody wants to talk about, the different religions. I love to talk about race. I love. I think all these things are fascinating. I just. I enjoy. I enjoy talking about them, and I think it's awesome. So, where are we in the story? Here's where we were. Bunch of Jews dispersed around the world, thanks to the Romans. Not very nice. Once the Romans eliminated the basically the Jews in Jerusalem, as a final middle finger to the Jews. They renamed the place after the historic Jewish enemies, the Philistines. That's why you know it to be Palestine or Palestine. Jews scatter around the world. 1900s, Jews are being routinely attacked and blamed for things, especially in places like Russia and Eastern Europe. Pogroms are the norm. Jews start looking around, looking at each other and saying, Why don't we go back home? Why don't we have a Jewish homeland, a place where we can just be us and be left alone? At this time, when they're having this conversation, keep in mind, in modern-day Israel, it's just Palestine at that time. There's a small percentage of Jews and a small percentage of Christians there, but in general, it's about 700,000 Muslims down there at the time. We're talking early 1900s. I'm just catching you up on yesterday in case you didn't get to listen to that part. Then, boom, World War I breaks out. France, Russia, Britain, they join together to fight against Germany and the Ottoman Empire. I know Austria-Hungary was involved, but for the purposes of our story, I'm not talking about them today. Britain, France, all these countries are extremely, extremely desperate, very, very desperate, 
So they start making promises to everyone. They start going to the Arabs who are in the Ottoman Empire, underneath the Ottomans, and telling the Arabs, hey, stand up and fight the Ottomans for us. Once this war's over, if we win, we're going to give you a bunch of really good stuff. You can maybe have Syria, maybe have your own kingdom here, your own kingdom there. Maybe we'll give you everything. Maybe we won't. I mean, it was really, they were talking out of both sides of their face. And there are, and France is doing the same thing. They're all doing these things in secret, and often, oftentimes they're promising the exact same territory to two totally different groups if they win. It's that bad. It's that bad. It's, they're, they're that desperate. Now, part of the desperation was this. Lloyd George, he's the head of Britain at this point. He sees the communist revolution happening in Russia. There are a bunch of Jews at the head of the communist revolution in Russia, and Lloyd George makes a critical, critical error. He wants Russia to stay in the war and keep fighting on behalf of Britain and France. He sees the Jews leading the Bolshevik revolution, leading the Russian revolution, and thinks to himself, well, these must be devout Jews like the other Jews I know. Surely what they would want is some sort of promise from me, Britain, that I am going to give them their homeland back. That's what these Russian Jews would want, right? These communist Jews. Yeah, they're they're dirty commies. We hate them. But maybe if I extend a hand, act like I'm going to give them their homeland back or help them get their homeland back, maybe they'll stay in the war. And this is where Lloyd George makes the critical, critical error. In his defense, if I have to defend the man, we didn't know just how disgusting and evil communists were quite yet, because this is the first time it had really been tried. And he did not know, as many still don't know today, that communism is its own religion. It is a religion unto itself. The communists in Russia who took over, they were loyal to communism, period, end of story. But he doesn't know this yet. So he puts out what is called the Balfour Declaration. The Balfour Declaration. If you take nothing else from this story, remember this. The Balfour Declaration was this. It was a public, very much public promised to Jews to create a Jewish homeland in Israel. Hey, Jews around the world, Russia, especially you, you hear me over there, Jews? Homeland coming your way if you stick around. How's that sound, right? Really appealing, right? And remember, the war's still going on. At this point, this is still part of the Ottoman Empire. You know, the Ottoman Empire had to be looking around saying, I'm sorry, what? You did what now? Nevertheless, that's what happened. Now, the declaration, again, I'm going to try to defend them as best I can when it comes to Britain. It does say we're not going to disrupt any of the current residents of this area, but we're just going to make sure the Jews can move in. How many? Well, I mean, don't worry about that. It's the de- like I said, they just... They were desperate. They were promising everyone everything, and it was never going to work out right. And remember, there were about 700,000 Muslims living in Palestine at the time. 
it's flatly absurd to make a declaration that nobody is going to be displaced if you allow a bunch of Jews to come in. Think about uh, your own hometown, your own home city. Whatever your city, let's say you live in a city of a million people. All right, you got a million people there. And somebody, some politician somewhere who's who's fighting a war stands up and says, we'll use Houston. Let's say Houston's a million people. Some politician stands up somewhere and says, hey, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to allow as many people from Mexico City who want to move to Houston, whoever wants to do that can do that. Totally. We're going to support you every step of the way. Oh, Houston, though, you million people, don't worry. None of you are going to be displaced at all. <laughs> okay, wait. Hold on. I'm doing the math here on my fingers. That doesn't seem like it's going to work out very well. Then that's where we are currently in our story. Remember this. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Are s'mores overrated? How will I take on a saltwater crocodile? And someone wants to talk a little more about tunnel rats in Vietnam. Well, that's next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. My Eden Pure Thunderstorm is the reason you don't hear me sniffling behind the microphone anymore. The truth is, I've had a lot of air purifiers. I've always had one because allergies drive me nuts. It bothers my eyes as much as anything else. I get those itchy, watery eyes. And so I've always had those tall, two, three-foot air purifiers in the house. They're loud ones, the ones with filters you have to replace every 15 minutes. Eden Pure Thunderstorm has eliminated the need for that because it's small, it's quiet, it just goes right in the outlet on the side, and it kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew on top of what it's done for my allergies. I don't own one Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I own three of them. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. It is a wild Ask Dr. Jesse Friday today. We do have one guest I should mention before we continue with the Jesse Kelly Show. Clay Martin is coming up next hour. He's the guy who was a Marine Corps scout sniper and then Marine Corps recon and then left to go become a Green Beret. The first time we had him on the air, he told us about the first time he killed a guy just randomly. So if you've missed that, I'm going to go ahead and ask him about that again today. So like I said, you get you get some different stuff here on the Jesse Kelly show. If you miss any part of the show, don't forget, especially shows like today where the history parts, the second part of a two-parter, the whole show's available on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. I'm excited. I'm excited for this natural disaster. Well, just flat out disaster question, Chris. Here's a little teaser for it guy wants to know if I had to be there 
and I know how things are going to go, but I, if I had to be there, which one of these would I be at? 1906 San Francisco earthquake, the sinking of the Indianapolis, the sinking of the Titanic, or the 1900 Galveston hurricane. Wild, right? I know the one I'm definitely not going to be in. I'll explain that in just a little bit. But, but, but first, I'm going to try to wrap this up fairly quickly today. Quit distracting me. Now, the Balfour Declaration. Britain telling Jews around the world, don't worry, we got you covered. Homeland coming. We are going to support you. Remember this. The Arabs... The Arabs had been fighting this entire time, fighting hard against the Ottomans and winning. The Arabs had, had a, a charismatic leader. Uh, they'd been waging war. They'd been fighting, and they'd been fighting uh, for a very specific reason. You need to understand this because this will come into play for all the conflicts, conflicts that still go on today. The Arabs were not fighting so they could be a British lackey. The Arabs were fighting so they could rule the Muslim world, so they could have an Arab-Muslim empire. They were fighting so they could be the old days where, they, where the Muslims ruled all of the Middle East and were advanced and everything else. That was their end goal. So if that's their end goal, and the guys who kind of promised them they'd tell them that they'd help them reach that goal— are the same guys who just turned to a bunch of Jews and said, hey, we're going to let you move right into this place we kind of promised the other guys. They are upset and upset, to put it mildly. Okay? Now the communists finally do take over in Russia. And Lloyd George finds out what we had just talked about before. Jews are not a monolith. This is a mistake people make so often when it comes to various prejudices people have. When you say things like white people do this, black people do this, Jews do this, Muslims do this, Christians do that, Asians do this. I mean, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. There can be a lot of truth to a lot of these things. But remember, as soon as you start getting yourself in the trap of thinking things are monolithic, you get tunnel vision, and it can really, really get you in a bind. Lloyd George found out, yes, there are a bunch of Zionist Jews who want to establish a Jewish home, homeland again for themselves. That is not what communists want. Not only did the Russian communists take over, yeah, there were some Jews in there, but these were not the same kind of Jews Lloyd George was used to dealing with. They stomp in take over Russia, and they really, really screw everybody over. What do the communists do when they take over Russia? Well, they promptly yank Russia out of the war, which was Britain's worst nightmare, France's worst nightmare. And remember how I said there were all these promises and secret backroom deals between Britain and France and Russia. Hey, Russia, we're going we're gonna to promise you Constantinople and France. You and me, we'll, we'll split up between Syria and Iraq, and we'll promise this and promise that. Well, remember, those things don't just exist in someone's mind. There are communications. There are letters. There are papers that have this information on it. The communists go storming in, take over a country, Basically, open up a drawer of files of promises and whammo, there it is. 
for all the world to see, the Russian communists are now reading all the lies and deceits from France and Britain and Russia itself. And, of course, they promptly tell the entire world about it. Uh, look what these people have been doing. Look how they've been lying. A hugely, hugely embarrassing moment for really everybody, but especially Britain and France. They look really, really, really bad. Now, the war is still going on. The Brits, their forces actually take Jerusalem at this time. Well, the Jews... They just were given a Balfour declaration. They decide they're going to use this as an opportunity. Hold on. The Brits are, the Brits, their troops are in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a safe place. And you just said we could have the homeland back. Guys, pack up. We're heading to Israel. And they start moving in pretty much right away. The Arabs eventually show up. The war ends right about this time. And the Arabs are looking around at the French and the British as the Treaty of Versailles is going on. And they're saying, "Um, you guys know there's some Jews in this place you promised us, right? And Britain and France, kind of with egg on their faces, are saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Oh, those Jews in that land we promised you. Ooh, okay. You know what? We're going to work it out. Don't worry about that. The League of Nations is formed. Think of the UN. It's essentially the first UN. They formed something at the Treaty of Versailles. It's called the League of Nations. Britain and France are now ruling the entire former Ottoman Empire. Well, the Arabs, in their mind, had been promised things like Syria. And frankly, they have a really good point. You can read it. It's written down. It sure looks to me like they were promised Syria. But the French, they think Syria is theirs. And the French are much more powerful than the Arabs. The French go marching right into Syria and say, oh, you thought this was going to be yours? No, 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 no. Pack up your stuff and leave. This is ours. Now the Arabs are really mad. Now the Arabs are feeling betrayed because, remember, the goal was this gigantic new Muslim empire. And Palestine, well, what was happening in Palestine? Britain kicked open the door and said, hey, uh, a bunch of Jews are going to be moving here. Jews from around the world, just know we are, we are allowing you now to move into Palestine. Come on in. That's, you're welcome here. Now, the Jews immediately jumped on this opportunity, and they did it really, really, really smartly. Remember something. Remember this. Remember we talked about the colonization of America by England and France and Spain and things like that and how everybody kind of did it differently and how if you look at a map of who owned the most of America at what time, honestly, Spain, it looks like, had the biggest chunk of land here, but why didn't they ever have more control of it? Why didn't they ever do more? Because Spain always screwed something up. Spain didn't realize that old, old saying is 100% true. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Britain always understood this. It's not enough to take a place, even take a place by force, and then produce a piece of paper that says it's mine. You must move in. 
You must physically occupy it, your people, your towns, your infrastructure. The Jews understood this very well. The Palestinians did not. They were about to get a lesson in possession being nine-tenths of the law. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping. And I am telling you this as somebody who did every stupid thing trying to quit dipping that you can possibly do. I I tried bubble gum. I tried just quitting cold turkey. Have you ever tried to quit cold turkey? It's impossible. I I tried it all. And I will tell you, I was very frustrated by the time I was done trying until I found Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew, yeah, it's tobacco-free, and it's nicotine-free, and it's sugar-free, but more than that, it gave me a dip to put in my lip. So it gave me that transition, and I would highly recommend you try the CBD pouches. They have four different flavors of CBD pouches. Those really help take that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. For 20% off. Hey, let us wipe the bastard. They take everything we had. And not just from us, from our fathers and from our fathers' fathers. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct and the sanitation are two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Huh? Education. Yeah, yeah, all right, fair enough. And the wine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 that's something we've really missed, Reggie. The Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly like to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> all right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? Brought peace. Oh, peace. Shut up. <laughs> that is, of course, from Life of Brian. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I am going to wrap up this story, this segment. I am committing myself to it because I have 9,000 of your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Remember, we have Green Beret, Clay Martin, Going to talk to us about killing people in about an hour from now, halfway through next hour. (laughs) Clay is the best. And remember, he's the one who's been writing these books about surviving society not doing so well, society collapsing, civil unrest. He's writing practical books about it, books that are very much applicable to you and me. Well, I mean, who are we kidding? It's not applicable to me because I'll be leading society's collapse. What, Chris? All right. 
So, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Now, Britain is still running this place. They're still, they're still in control, kind of. But in the 1930s and 40s, in between, you know, about the time Great Depression, so on and so forth, Jews are pouring into, into this place, absolutely pouring in. And what are they doing as they pour in? Well, they're doing it really, really smartly. It's not that they're kicking in the door of some Palestinian's home and saying, pack up your stuff and leave. We're here now. They're just simply buying up mass tracts of land and moving their people onto it. Not just buying it, buying it and moving their people onto it. Possession. They're building infrastructure. They're building homes. They're building schools. They're snatching up land everywhere. And the Palestinians, a lot of them were poor. They're selling lots of this stuff. Even as they're getting angry that their society is getting run out, they're selling it to the Jews. And then they're looking around like, I can't believe they're, they're taking over everything. Uh, okay, I will take $50,000 for this lot. And look, I don't care how mad this makes people. You know I don't care about offending people. The Jews were just a lot better at this than the Palestinians were. They simply were. They were just flat out smarter about it. They just were. They were smarter about it. Now, Anytime you have this kind of displacement, though, because you are seeing a lot of displacement. Remember, there were 700,000 Palestinians here. Anytime you have this kind of displacement, people are starting to lose jobs. Jews are starting to only hire Jews. They are moving in and being very purposeful. That sound familiar at all? Being very purposeful about making sure this is their country because they view this. I mean, a lot of it is, again, not a monolith, so I don't want to say they, but a lot of it is just a safe haven, tired of getting pushed around, assaulted other places. Remember I said the 30s and 40s they're pouring in? Anything else happening in the 30s and 40s that would make the Jews maybe look for someplace else to live? So seeking safety? And a big part of it is biblical. Or, or what, do, what do you people call it, Chris? The Torah? Is that what you call it? What? I'm trying to figure it out. But in all, in all seriousness. It, for them, it's biblical or torical. I, I don't know how they would say that. But for them, it's from God, right? This is our land. It's from God. We're supposed to be here. So when you have this many Palestinians being displaced, you're going to have angry young men. Angry young men. Young men are already full of testosterone. I mean, happy young men are full of testosterone and do stupid things. Angry young men full of testosterone is a very, very, very dangerous thing. The blood starts to begin. Terrorism starts to begin. Bombs, blood, knives, civilians, you name it. Now, again, as you know, I'm very honest about my biases. Everybody knows I'm more biased towards Israel and the Jews. I, I totally admit that. But in all fairness... The Jews started to return serve on that terror stuff too. Bombs, blood, killing, killing of civilians. They weren't, you can argue and you're probably right. They weren't as overt about it as the Palestinians were, but the Jews were doing a lot of the same stuff too. If you talk to uh, terrorists from over there today, Palestinian terrorists, 
they'll say things to you like, they started all this terrorism stuff. That's not fair, but I'll say this. It's not necessarily unfair either. The Jews were doing a a more civilized version of an insurgency themselves. Now, let's focus on Britain here for a moment. Britain's exhausted. Britain just went through World War I. We now have new hostilities in, in Europe popping up. It is a Great Depression. Britain doesn't want to deal with this anymore. And now it's getting openly hostile between the Jews and Great Britain. Remember I talked about the terrorism from the Jews too? The Jews set off a bomb in a British hotel, the King David Hotel, a bomb that killed civilians. Straight up terror attack. Brits, in response to this, because they tried to handle this with kid gloves, in response to this bomb in the King David Hotel, they hang some Jews. Round them up, hang the guys responsible. They think are responsible. But the problem is Britain didn't fully understand what they were dealing with, and Britain wasn't nearly as committed to keeping this place as the Jews were to taking this place. In response, the Jews promptly snatch up two British officers and hang them publicly. Britain's done with it. Britain's pretty much done with it. They, they hand the place over to the UN, and I'm, I'm trying to put a bow on it here, they basically hand the place over to the U.N. They're, they're trying to get out, not sure how to get out. So Britain will do things, crazy things. I mean, it's nuts to think about. Uh, the, uh, they'll have a military base, a British military base, but that'll be in a strategically important place. And Britain will flat out tell the, the, the Jews and the Palestinians, okay, uh, uh, we're done. I don't care. I'm leaving. Uh, uh, at 9 a.m. Friday morning, we're leaving this base. We're done. You guys can have it. Well, Again, the Jews did this smarter than the Palestinians. The Jews would be waiting at the gates at 9 a.m. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. We're moving in now. Vroom, vroom, vroom. In come the Israelis. And now they own the military base. They just did it better and smarter. And keep in mind, they're not even an official nation yet. They are still factioned on the Jewish side. They, they, it runs the gamut. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the Jews did this act of terror and the, the Jews did this. There are so many extremely moderate, peaceful Jews. And then there are other ones who think, no, screw this. We have to kill everybody and everything in between. They're factioned. But they are united in wanting this nation right now. And eventually, they get one. I'm not going to go into the first Arab-Israeli war, but just know... By 1948, it's pretty much Israel, and they earned it because they were very, very purposeful. Let's have a brief chat about you and I being purposeful, and then it's time to have some fun on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. to the Jesse Kelly show. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Green Beret, Clay Martin, about 40 minutes from now, going to talk to us about killing people. Remember, you can leave voicemails, too. We have a voicemail from somebody. I'll play that for you in just a second, but really quickly about being purposeful before we start having fun. Being more purposeful. As we continue our divide as a country, I don't expect you to be happy about it. I will tell you, I am not happy about it. But when I talk about us dividing, I hope you understand that never comes from a place of celebration. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible we were unable to keep together the greatest country in the world. I, I, think, that's, I think that's awful. Inevitable, yeah, that's what happens to big empires. They rise and they fall. But I think it's terrible. However, as we divide, how purposeful are you willing to be? And this is what I'm asking you. If you hire and fire people, are you going to be more purposeful about that in the future? And I'm not just talking about hiring and firing the best people. If you have a little things, a babysitter, Are you going to be more purposeful about that? I will tell you this. That kind of thing may make you uncomfortable. It might. They're being purposeful. I promise you that. They're being very, very purposeful. They, because they're communists, have the end goal of completely purging you from every single part of this society. What are you going to do in response? Now, let's have some fun. Dear J. Steele Kelly, with summer upon us, my wife is excited to make s'mores. I explained to her that s'mores are a terrible treat. The marshmallow isn't hot enough to melt the chocolate, so it's always hard. When you bite into it, the graham cracker falls apart, and the marshmallow comes out the side and gets all over your hands. Then you have sticky hands all night because you were camping and can't wash them. My wife disagrees and says they are the best part of camping. Please settle the debate once and for all with your food expertise. He says, feel free to use his name. His name is Josh Adams. Remember this. I haven't said this in a while. If you email me, unless you absolutely tell me in the email to use your name, I will never, ever use your name. I am one of the last people on earth who believes in privacy. Even you, you can send me and several people I have, you can send me death threats and I will not use your name on air. I do not believe in it. Private 
is private. So unless you do what this guy did, then I, I won't read it on air. But he's 100% right about the s'mores. It makes no sense whatsoever. Somebody please explain to me the appeal of it. The chocolate doesn't melt at all. It doesn't melt at all. The best, I, I did hear a life hack for the s'mores, though, that I have yet to try, but one that sounds like it would be primo. Yes, the s'mores are going to come with the same problems, but take out that Hershey's bar, the Hershey's chocolate you put in there, put in a Reese's peanut butter cup in its place. Not only do you get the added peanut butter in there, the Reese's peanut butter cup smashes more easily and it will all smash together. But when it comes to camping food, I can't believe more people don't do this. Let me help you all out real quick. As you know, I moved to Montana when I was 10 and we grew up camping, right? Here's your next camping meal. Put away the hot dogs, put away all this stuff. Here's what you do while you're still at home. You take, and you probably want to double or triple layer this, take a big piece of foil, fold it over a couple times so it's twice the size of a dinner plate, three times the size of a dinner plate. Make kind of a half little bowl with it, don't worry. And you take a ton of sausage and shrimp and peppers, maybe jalapenos and onions and everything else, and you drop them all. Don't worry if they're raw. You want them raw. Drop them all in that foil thing. Then you take whatever kind of seasoning. If you're a huge seasoning guy, put a bunch of it in there. Put a little seasoning in it. If you like some heat, drop a little hot sauce in there, maybe a little cayenne pepper. Then you fold up this gigantic thing of foil and essentially seal it up. You roll the top of it down. Now, when you're out there camping, you have your rocks around your fire pit. You take your huge foil and you just simply set it down on one of the rocks by the fire. Then you go about your business. Go do your fishing, chop up some wood, set up the tent, all the camping stuff. Eventually, you will notice that thing looks like it's going to pop because it's full of steam and smoking hot. Get it off of there. Might might not hurt to poke a hole or two in the foil before you open it because that is some hot steam that comes out. Eventually open it up, let it cool a little bit, and you will have the juiciest, most flavorful, most delicious camping meal in the history of mankind. Chris said they call them silver turtles. That's actually a great, that's a great word for it. That's a great word for it. So, All right, I came up with that, not Chris. I... I call them silver turtles. There's your next camping meal. All right. It's time to take on a saltwater crocodile. Next. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. 
Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, if you want to follow me on social media, it is quite a treat to be able to follow me on, what, Chris? To be able to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at jessekellydc. You can find me on Facebook. I'm unquestionably going to be banned permanently from those things at some point. I've been suspended more times than I can possibly count. When that day comes, you can always find me on Locals. I'm already on Locals. I already post there. It's the one place I cannot possibly be kicked off of. Now, it's time for a tough question. Dr. Cheetah fighting Jesse. Your story on Ramry Island inspired this question. No weapons. How do you take on a saltwater crocodile in five feet of clear water? I have the solution. Let me tell you from my experience. Next. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and I'm going to get to this question about taking on a saltwater crocodile. I understand why you would ask me, because I am the one with the experience of doing so. But anyway, before I do that, remember, I like to give back as much as humanly possible. It's not all about me. I have been helped along in this business by people like Michael Berry. So when I recognize other talent, I like to point out said talent and, and, you know, really endorse them, get behind them. So when I saw this on TV last night, I thought to myself, you know what? This guy's going places. The left wants the freedom to hurt you if you won't comply with their wishes. That's why they want you disarmed. It's not more complicated than that. And I'm going to tell you something else that's going to have people blow in a gasket today, and I don't care. The Second Amendment 
It's not about hunting. You see these idiots up there all the time. Well, I, I used to, I, I'm not anti-Second Amendment. I, I used to go hunting with my pappy. I own a double barrel. Had nothing to do with hunting. And I'll tell you something else. It's not about uh, protecting your home from an intruder either. Now, that's a nice benefit of it. That's great benefit of it, but it's not about that. We have the Second Amendment. The founders wrote about this all the time. It's not as if we don't know why we have it. We have the Second Amendment so the American people would be free to defend themselves against a government, their own government, if their own government would become tyrannical. You know that? I know they're not allowed to teach that in school. I know people even on the right are too scared to say that. We have it in writing. That's why we have the Second Amendment. If the United States government becomes despotic, they wanted you to have the Second Amendment so you could defend yourselves against them. Period. End of story. That's why we have it. So it is ironic to see the American president get up and talk like this today. Nothing I'm about to recommend in any way impinges on the Second Amendment. They're phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. But no amendment no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. You can't yell crowd, you can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater. We call a freedom of speech. From the very beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted to own. From the very beginning of the Second Amendment existed, certain people weren't allowed to have weapons. So the idea is just bizarre to suggest that some of the things we're recommending are contrary to the Constitution. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't want to, he does, he's not here to violate your Second Amendment. Well, that's weird, because I heard him say this. I want to see a national red flag law and legislation to incentivize states to enact their own red flag laws. These laws allow a police or family member to petition a court in their jurisdiction and say, I want you to temporarily remove from the following people any firearm they may possess because they're a danger and a crisis. They're presenting a danger to themselves and to others. Hmm. I want you to pause for a moment because I see people on the right as well kind of okay with these red flag laws, right? I mean, on their surface, they sound fine. Well, I don't understand that the police can, can just decide that, that you've lost your mind or, and they should be able to come take your guns away. Or a family member, right? Of course, well, if a family member is that worried about you, why shouldn't they be able to come take your guns away? Let's, let's focus on the cop side of it for just a moment. You do realize we're just like a few years removed from the federal law enforcement arm, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, intentionally lying to the FISA court in order to get a warrant to spy on an American citizen and then lying several times after that in order to keep the warrant? Can we lay down this notion that just because the cops are doing it, it's okay? And I, I don't have to sit here and explain myself of, I support the cops as much as anybody. I, I, you know who I am. You know what I am. But let's, let's stop with this absurdity. You've seen these political cops all across the country, political sheriffs, all across the country. These people in various districts, the police commissioner in DC, a highly political left-wing guy. You want him to decide whether you're sane enough to hold a firearm? It's blatantly anti-constitutional. It's blatantly against the second amendment. 
And nobody does it better than that young, handsome talent. You can find him. What, Chris? You can find him on the first, the TV channel, the first, every single night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. He has a one-hour TV show. I will be tuning in from now on. Email. All right, Dr. Cheetah Fighting Jesse. Your story on Ramry Island inspired this question. You've worked out a strategy for hand-to-hand combat with the cheetah. Now it's time to take on a saltwater crocodile. No weapons. However, you get the mercy of being in relatively clear water that is only five feet deep in the deepest part. No cop-out. Failure isn't an option. Give it to us. All right. I do have a strategy already worked out. First of all, did you know that crocodiles, for one, you're taking on a 22-foot, 2,200-pound crocodile, so admittedly you are in a bit of a pickle here, okay? A bit of a pickle, and you're taking him on in the water. Thankfully, I have lots of experience hand-fighting saltwater crocodiles. What, Chris? I've done it. All right, I haven't yet, but I've thought about this a lot. Crocodiles, their mouths open only, you know, up and down, right? I'm going to, one, stand vertically. I think the crocodile will have a difficult time turning away. If I go to swim, then I've made myself horizontal, makes it easy for the crocodile to wrap his chompers around me. Plus, even though I swim like Michael Phelps, I probably, I do swim good, Chris, I, I probably can't outrun, outswim a crocodile. I say probably because maybe I could. There's Maybe I could. I, I'm, what's he got on me? But anyway, that's beside the point. One, I'm going to stand vertically. Two, what does everybody do when a crocodile's after them? All the people the crocodiles eat, all the animals. What do you see every one of them do? The second the crocodile comes out of the water, what do they do? You, you know, you can picture it. They pull back and try to run away. I am going to go with a completely different strategy. The crocodile will never see coming and will result in ultimate victory for me. I'm going to wait until he lunges at me with those jaws, and instead of pulling back, I'm going in. I'm diving in. Head what? Listen, Chris, you're not paying attention. I'm diving in head first because I'm going to reach back into the crocodile's throat and choke him to death from the inside. He can thrash and and bite down all he wants. I can take some teeth marks on my back. I'm going to have my hands on his esophagus from inside his throat, choking out the crocodile before I can be finished off. I will then wear the crocodile's skin around for the rest of my life. I will have a gigantic crocodile head like a hat on top of my head as I have a saltwater croc cloak. Yes, I'm leaving the tail on my cloak so it can drag 20 feet behind me wherever I go. And anybody who looks at me oddly, I will pause and tell them the story of when I took down the saltwater crocodile. There you have it, everybody. Did I not promise you wisdom today? I just gave you the blueprint. Dr. Steel Shogun Khan of Houston. 
Oh, wait. We're out of time. All right. Look, I'm exhausted from taking on the crocodile. We are going to dig into natural disasters and huge disasters and where you want to be and where you don't want to be next on The Jesse Kelly Show. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jake's Mint Chew is the way to quit dipping. And I will tell you, I did not see this coming. Apparently, Jake's Mint Chew is helping my listeners quit smoking. It, here's, here's what it is. It's tobacco-free and it's nicotine-free. They have long cut you can put in your lip, but for the smokers and the dippers, they have CBD pouches. They have four different flavors of CBD pouches that go right in your lip. So if you're sitting at your desk at the office, maybe it's time to go out and have that smoke break you normally have, or maybe it's time to slip a dip in your lip. Put in a CBD pouch. Takes the edge off, gives you that little fix you need, only without tobacco, without any nicotine at all. And before you know it, you'll be free. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That's J-E-S-S-E for 20% off. is is that uh, we're on a good path at the border under leadership of Joe Biden, President Biden. Uh, there is, it's about things. It's about restructuring how we do what is happening there because we were in a very bad situation under the Trump administration. <laughs> I, love, I love Nancy Pelosi. I know you hate her. I love that old witch. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com is the email, 877-377-4373. The reason I love her is this. Nancy Pelosi, she has the mentality we on the right should have. You understand that, right? Never back down, never apologize, never play defense. You take your biggest failure, and you don't deny that it's a failure you pretend it's a huge success. You remember you got busted. She got busted in the salon, totally embarrassing, lecturing everybody and their brother about mask up, wear a mask. You want to kill grandma? Better wear a mask. Why are you anti-mask? Blah, 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 blah. Gets caught in a salon where she wasn't allowed to be without a mask. And it was this you know, scandal for about 24 hours, and the media came to her. What's your defense? She's off. I was set up by that salon. It's a disgusting setup. Can you believe this setup by the salon owner had to leave town? Had to leave town. They did not an ounce of apology. Uh, I'm a victim of a setup. Always on offense. The border's being overrun. Overwhelmed. They are flying and busing people all over the country. What's Nancy Pelosi's response to an un- to a human rights disaster on the border? Here it is. The uh, the fact is is that uh, we're on a good path at the border under leadership 
of Joe Biden, President Biden. Uh, there is, it's about things. It's about restructuring how we do what is happening there, because we were in a very bad situation under the Trump administration. That's masterful. That's masterful. Listen, Republicans, are you listening? Did she get up there and say, well, I mean, it's not that bad. We're working to try to fix it. And any mistakes we made, we're going to work on those. And we're No, 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 no. This is a huge success. This, it couldn't be going any better. Way better than the last guy. Is that completely a lie and all of it wrong? You bet. Is that the political environment we've moved into? Absolutely. No defense. Offense. Dr. Steele Shogun, Khan of Houston. You have been selected to go back in time to the center of a recent famous disaster. You will know what happens from historical accounts, but are now given a chance to actually see what happened and find out if you could have survived. Which would you choose from the following? The 1906 San Francisco earthquake, the sinking of the USS Indianapolis, the sinking of the RMS Titanic, the 1900 Galveston hurricane. Okay. Here's the deal. Some of these absolutely terrify me. None of them are good. Some of these terrify me. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake. Man, this is going to be a tough one. That may be. Here's the here. Look, I'll go through the, what's uniquely terrifying about all of them. When I think about the deaths in a, in an earthquake, I think about buildings collapsing. I, I look. It's not like anybody out there thinks about a building collapsing on them and being trapped in the rubble and celebrates it. But that is one thing I don't really do that great with is being pressed in like that. Being under, being in a tight space where my shoulders are touching, I do not enjoy that. The thought of being in the rubble of a building, if I wasn't dead, I'd rather be dead. Being in a rubble of a building, trapped and unable to move in the dark for a day or two or something, like that, that might be worse than anything else on this list for me. Might be. Might be. Hang on. The USS Indianapolis is basically a horror movie. It is a horror movie. I can't believe more people do not know the story. I've done the story, I think, twice on the show. I'll probably do it again one day, but uh, it's a horror movie. For those who don't know, that was the boat that delivered one of the atom bombs. And because it was secret, when they turned around and took off, they weren't really broadcasting like boats normally did because they didn't want everyone to know about it. Well, a Japanese uh, submarine, I believe it was, slams a torpedo into their sides and they go down in the warm Pacific. One, a bunch of guys already died on board. A shipwreck, a a torpedo exploding on a ship does, does horrible things. You have men with broken bones, with men with horrible burns, men with everything. These guys get into the water and it's not cold water. It's 80 degrees. So you get into water, and yeah, it's nice, it's nice, it's warm, you're still alive, but you're alive for days in the water, dying of thirst, dying of hunger, and the sharks get there almost immediately and spend days feeding on these guys. I mean, the worst stuff you can imagine. I'm drowning, dying of thirst, and eaten by sharks. And this, I mean, 17-foot tiger sharks. The stories are just 
They're, they're unbelievable. Half people bobbing up and down in the water. That's a real story. Reaching over, touching your buddy, and the bottom half, he's dead because the bottom half of his body's gone. The shark's got him. Like that kind of stuff. Guys, you want to talk about horror? Guys, it was so bad where they would group up, right? They would group up in these big circles because there was safety in numbers, at least at first, until the sharks got too ravenous. Well, guys would be so miserable, be so out of their minds, they would purposely take off their life jacket and swim away from the group so the sharks would attack them and kill them. What kind of mental state are you in when you're like, yeah, come eat me, shark. I'm that done. I mean, that's just, that's a new level right there. The Titanic. This would probably be the one. See, the thing is, I would like to think I wouldn't survive the Titanic. Uh, that movie, the Titanic, that women love, because, of course, they had to ruin it and make it a big love story. But it did do a good job of showing how many absolute heroes and despicable villains there were when they were fleeing that ship. I mean, guys are pushing women aside and stuff like that. But then there were absolute legends out there giving up their spot to ladies and children. Some of the men went in and changed into their best clothes. I forget the guy's name. Goes in and puts on his best suit and tie. And it's like, well, we're, we're leaving. We might as well go out in style. I mean, that's, that's you'd like to imagine you're going to be that guy. So I would like to imagine I'm going to be that guy. But you never know, do you? You never know. What, Chris? Chris said he'd rather the Titanic than any of the others because hypothermia doesn't seem that bad. Well, I will tell you, of all these situations, that would definitely be the one I would choose. Granted, cold water, freezing to death in cold water is not pleasant, but it's a heck of a lot faster than most of these others. You're gonna, if you drop into the water off the coast of Newfoundland, which is where the Titanic went down, you ain't going to be around very much longer, pal. So the speed with which you go... It's probably most appealing, but then again, being cold is not that fun. The Galveston hurricane is probably scarier than people give it credit for. Now, I've been through a bunch of hurricanes, tons of them, huge ones, huge ones. I've had to evacuate hotels before. I mean, I've told you these stories, but if you're in a hurricane scenario where you're genuinely unsafe, buildings are collapsing, the wind, the rising of the oceans, think how... Think how helpless before God you would feel. You know, I mean, it would feel like that. It would feel like God himself is trying to kill you. What, Chris? Chris said the Galveston hurricane picked up an entire pier and threw it across the island. I mean, yeah, that it is. I've observed hurricanes from the safety of buildings before to be out and exposed in it. Oof, that's probably a no-go. All right, we're going to get Clay Martin's answer to this, and he's going to talk to us about killing people. Green Beret, Clay Martin, coming up next. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. <sighs> Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, 
flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Yes, it's time to find out how to survive from our friend, former Green Beret, Marine Scout Sniper, Marine Recon, Clay Martin. Clay, first of all, I have been asked this morning to use my huge brain to take on a saltwater crocodile in five feet of water, and I have a whole technique I want to run it by you, okay? I'm standing by. Let's hear it. I'm going to stand vertically so the croc will have a harder time getting me. And then when he tries to bite me, he's going to expect me to pull away like everything else does. I'm instead going to dive in and choke him out from inside his throat. I think this is foolproof. What say you? That's a, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't see what was, could possibly go wrong. I knew it would work. See, I knew Clay Martin would, would endorse it like that. Clay? <laughs> Your book, Concrete Jungle. I want to talk to you about that before we get to other things. Why'd you write it? You know, I wrote it. I was living in Oregon at the time. This was a couple years ago. And uh, Oregon's been like the nexus of this Antifa problem that's been been, uh, widespread over the last year. That's a couple years ago. And I got to say, I saw the handwriting on the wall. I saw the direction that things were going. And uh, I guess I kind of guessed correctly about this becoming like a nationwide phenomenon. And uh, that's really what it was for. And uh, it was fortuitous that it was pre-written after uh, after last summer's shenanigans. Uh, how bad do you think it's going to get here, Clay? You've been you've been really out in front of where we're going. Where do you think we're going? Man, I've uh, this is on a path worse than even I could have predicted. I uh, I think that we are about to have a very 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 bad time. Uh, especially with you know all the charges being dropped from all these rioters, all this other nonsense over the last year, uh, unless you happen to be at the Capitol on January sixth, in which case they're throwing the book at you. This really looks to me like, I, you know, I hate to say this, this is a terrible thing to even say, but it looks like kind of like Weimar Germany, with Antifa kind of being the brown shirts as uh, as the Nazis came to power. You know what I'm saying? Kind of not exactly state-sanctioned violence, but state-sanctioned ignorance of violence and uh, just kind of letting things go. And I really think that's the direction we're headed. Are you still in Oregon? If not, why not? <laughs> Absolutely not. I got another as fast as I could. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, Oregon Oregon is a sinking ship. It's, uh, you know, between the, the taxes and all the other nonsense just living there, They've really been at the forefront of uh, of all the bad things that are coming. I mean, they legalized heroin last year. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Uh, a couple of times I went out into uh, Bureau of Land Management land there. Over in Idaho, that's where we go to shoot. I went out in uh, Oregon a couple of times, and I right hand on the Bible, it looked like Mad Max world. I mean, there were hobos living out there and, like, 
dilapidated RVs with doll heads hanging out of trees and stuff. Oh. And I was like, you know what? This is a, this is probably not a place for my toddlers. Let's uh, let's go somewhere else. Good grief, Clay. You told us a long time ago on the show, and this is a long time ago, and now the show's gone national and whatnot, about the first time you killed a guy. Do you prefer 556 or 762? Explain the story, please. Oh, (laughs) this is a good one. Mm -hmm. You know, this is actually a debate that I've had uh, with another group of snipers that I'm friendly with that we've all had roughly the same experiences. It comes up all the time, 762 or 556. And a lot of those guys... Still went with five five six, especially out of a long barrel, longer barrel giving it more lethality because the bullet goes faster. I got to say, as a youth, I was a seven six two guy. Uh, not because of the first person I ever killed, but because of the first person I ever killed was seven six two by fifty one. I had shot a fair number of people with five five six guns by that point, and I shot this dude with seven six two, and he fell over like the fist of God hit him. I actually came out of the scope and looked like, you know, was this like some video game stuff that <laughs> just happened? But it was real life. I was like, I mean, I was floored. And uh, after that, I was really a seven six two fan. I'm uh, I'm a big believer in the big bullets. Now I'm not as young and strong as I once was, so I'm probably more of a five five six guy now. But uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, men who steal souls leave three or eight holes. Okay, why? What argument do the five five six guys make? This is way out of my area of expertise. All I ever carried was an M sixteen. What What is the argument for five five six? Make their argument for them. The argument for five five six is that it's lighter. You can carry more bullets, and provided that you have a long enough barrel, especially like a twenty incher, it seems to be absolutely just as lethal. But you have to have that 20-inch barrel to really get that velocity number up. Uh, you can even see this. You look at after-action reports, especially from the uh, Special Forces guys that went over and worked with the Marines over Ramadi and Fallujah that were carrying M16A4s that had that longer barrel. Uh, they were floored a number of times by the one-stop shots that those uh, you know 19-year-old Marines were throwing out there because they had the longer barrels. Yeah. Well. Marines are a deadly bunch, Clay. It's too bad you abandoned us for the Green Berets. I, 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 all right, Clay, in, in all seriousness, people are obviously worried about everything that's happening out there. You offer a bunch of great, real specific solutions in your book, which is why I'm always telling people about it. But give people, somebody a practical solution right now. Normal family in a suburban neighborhood worried about a, a country that seems to be losing its mind. What's something basic somebody should be buying or doing? What should, what should people be doing? Well, buying is a really difficult one right now, especially with these uh, sort of executive orders that came out yesterday. I mean, the gun market was already crazy. Uh, I would hope that any of your audience was smart enough to already own one. And generally speaking, one's enough. Uh, you know, the gun's kind of like that thing, like, I hope we don't need this, but it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Uh, so if you don't have a blaster of some sort, by all means, go get one. Second step, this is something that I'm big on, is you have to start organizing because no one man himself is going to be able to take care of himself in, the, in what's coming. I'm not, you're not, you know, Rambo's not. You've got to get with your neighbors and start organizing in some kind of, be it a neighborhood watch, you know, whatever you want to do, but you've got to start getting with your neighbors, get with like-minded people, and start planning for potential scenarios. And that's especially if you live near a big city. Okay, Clay, when you talk about, obviously, getting your hands on a weapon, I understand the chances of that right now are getting slimmer and slimmer because they're impossible to find. And even if you do get one, nobody can afford ammo this side of Warren Buffett. 
But let's assume that you happen to trip into a gun store that has everything available. Somebody wants one. And I realize that's very hard to break down different tools for different scenarios. What does super soldier Clay Martin tell the average Joe to buy? Man, I got to be an AR-15 guy. You know, there's something to be said for a, a small concealed carry pistol. You can have like, all the time, all this other stuff. But if things get really bad, a rifle is infinitely better than a pistol. It requires less training. It has a lot more reach. Uh, it's a lot more lethal. Is that, can you even say that word anymore? It's a lot more uh, stopping power. How's that? That's that's more PC. It's got to be an AR-15. That would be my hands down my first choice. This is my, uh, this is my show, Clay. We don't have to worry about saying things that are PC. <laughs> Right. Just, well, if you need to stop the Mongolian horde, AR-15 is the weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sure. Clay, what's the greatest army of all time? Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would say World War II Germany. Um, and I would say that's pretty high on the list. Uh, you think World War II with- Germany is better than World War I Germany? Oh, yeah. Hands down. Evolution of tactics. Uh if for no other reason, you know, Erwin Rommel learned most of his tactics that became German Army doctrine as a platoon commander in World War One. So World War One, yeah, they're doing pretty well. Uh, he started to develop the what is actually all modern infantry tactics. There is a young uh, young lieutenant and captain, and that was kind of what became World War Two Germany. So I would uh, I would have to put that one pretty high on the list. Mm-hmm. If we're uh, saying we have a chance to evolve past the weapons of the era, I mean Spartans. Pretty hard to pretty hard to say no to, and uh, you know honestly, U.S. military circa 2005 or so got to be way high on that list. Yeah, you know you don't think about the U.S. that way unless it's World War II, but that's true. Clay Martin book is Concrete Jungle. Thank you so much, my brother. All right, thanks, brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right, I have to decide on this disaster scenario, and we have a bunch more Ask Dr. Jesse questions, including more about tunnel rats. Hang on. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Did I not tell you Clay Martin was going to bring it today? 
All right, I decided the, the, the disaster scenario I wanted to get through because from now on, there's no more guests today. I have a bunch of questions. I'm going to get through all of them. The disaster, the disaster scenario I feel like I would want to see if I could live through would actually be the Indianapolis. It's not that I want to exist. It's not that I want to go through that. I mean, my goodness, no. But I would want to – I, I want to see if I could do it. I want to see if I could do it. I've already fought a crocodile, Chris. I can fight a shark. I might use this. I might use the same technique. You don't know. I want to do. I do want to give a shout out to listener Andrew, who wrote. Uh, I don't know what you call this. He calls it an art piece showcasing my storied life. It's on the Twitter for the show at Jesse Kelly Show. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. There's Red Lobster, a 12 pack of Taco Bell tacos. There's a sombrero in there because I'm sombrero, Jesse. This guy killed it. Chris and I have been laughing our butts off since he sent it in. Email. Dear Dr. White Death, (laughs) I love the lessons you teach your boys. I like how you make them order their own food at restaurants, and I've started making my kids do the same. The kids like it because it makes them feel like adults. Any, Any other things that you have found make your kids more independent? I don't have some secret sauce for raising boys. I've never done it before. I just, this, this is what helps me. This is what helps me. People love their kids and that's awesome. You should, but they raise their kids to make sure that with, with, with the wrong purpose, in my opinion, uh, to make sure they're, they're happy or something like that, or making sure of this or making sure of that. My job, my overarching job with my sons is simply to prepare them to live in the real world, to exist without me. So when I kick them out of my house after they graduate high school, and I'm not making that up, I've told them that their whole lives, when they graduate, you're gone, little birdie, fly, fly, that I have prepared them to do so. And so everything I do when it comes to them is with that in mind. It's why... When I give them a task, we make them do chores all the time around the house. And look, we're not slave drivers around here. They get plenty of time to themselves. They have, they have fun too. But when they do plenty of chores. And when I give them a task, oftentimes I know it's not a task that they know how to do right away. I tell them, figure it out. One great thing you can do for your boys, obviously you have to teach them the basics of a little hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench, something like that. When you order something that requires assembly, and people are always doing this, a new office chair, a dresser, a new this or that, set the box down and tell your sons, put it together. And they will initially look at you like, are you insane? What? I can't even, it's still in the box. What What do you think I have? I'll tell them when they, if they, they say something like that. Do you, do you think I have magical powers that I know how to put it together? Open up the box. Get the instructions, read, and follow them, and go put it together the same way I would. And they know. They know. uh, This is important. They know they are not allowed to bring me back a half-done job. I'm I'm doing that for a bunch of different reasons, but one of the main ones is, and I'm starting to have this conversation with them, in the work world, I am shocked by how many people think the boss is there to help them. Your job, your only job in life, 
own, no matter what you do, if you have a boss, your only job is to make your boss's life easier. It's not to be his friend. It's not to run your mouth. It's not to do any of this. Are you making your boss's life easier? If the answer is yes, you're going to be great. If the answer is no, you're going to be gone. When your boss gives you a task, you don't return to said boss until the task is complete, period. It floored me. Anytime I've ever managed people, and this is it happened all the time, you give someone a task, they come back five minutes later, well, here's all the reasons this is going to be hard. Oh, okay. Why are you here? Go figure it out. Goodbye. My boys know that too. Put together the chair. Well, uh, I can't. I, I I I can't find this screw. What are you telling me for? I suggest you go look again. Well, I need a I I need a I need a wrench for this. Okay. Do Do I look like I have a wrench in my hands? I do not. Go locate one. You know where the toolbox is. It sounds like a small thing, and it sounds mean, but it's not. I'm teaching them. You bring back completed tasks. At all times, completed tasks. You know how to do it. You know where stuff is. Don't find excuses while you're doing it for why you can't do it or why it's too hard to do it. No, there are no excuses. You must come back with the mission done, period. You've been given a mission. Get it done. All right. We got, uh, obviously, I have a bunch more emails I'm going to get to here. We did get one about, uh, I had a long talk the other day. You remember, I forget which day it is because I don't remember things. I had a long talk about dealing with people who have PTSD. I was talking to, to family and friends of people who have come back from combat and they're not doing well. And I was just very frank about my experience of what I went through and what they're going through. And I got a, uh, tearjerker of an email here buckle up hang on Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It is the world famous Jesse Kelly show. 
It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Did I not tell you it was going to be fun today? Yes, I'm. the rest of the show is dedicated exclusively to your emails. There are no more guests. There's nothing else. I do think we have a fo- We have a voicemail I need to play, too. We'll get to that in a second. You know what, Chris? Do we have time to play that right now? We don't? All right, we'll get to that voicemail in a second. Th- that it's just going to be emails. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the show, including our part two and finale of uh, the formation of the modern state of Israel, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, leave a review talking about how handsome I am. It's important for the show. We'll be back with this email about uh, PTSD. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I'm on Locals. That's where I can't get kicked off of. Chris, play our voicemail real quick before we get to this email. I know we have a voicemail in here. Remember, you leave us a voicemail, we'll play it on the air. Yeah, Jess, uh, you brought up a fact about a week ago about that book about the uh, God, the German uh, cops that were guarding the uh, Jews and the trains and so forth. One train had 8,000 Jews on it. 13 guards, and they ran out of bullets. The Jews were throwing uh, stones at them, but I wonder how many just stayed in the damn trains. Well, a lot stayed on the trains. A lot stayed on the trains. But understand this when we talk about stuff like that, when we bring up uh, Holocaust stuff. Or, and look, Holocaust is just the one that's on everyone's mind because, frankly, it's the most recent of things like that. But these terrible events are the history of the world, huge genocides. I mean, it happened to Jews before this. That, the Holocaust wasn't the first Holocaust. It, it's just, this is the history of the world, of, of the things man does to other men. And so often you get in these stories, and like he said, 13 guards, whole trains, and people still won't go. They won't rebel. Because what have we talked about? Human nature is a funny thing. Human nature does not want to fully acknowledge the problem. And human nature, a lot of it, a lot of it isn't about fighting. A lot of human a lot of human beings don't want to fight. What is that? Chris, find me that comment or find me that quote because I'm going to screw it up if I do it live. There's a quote about uh, of a hundred men 
90 or cannon or like 80 or cannon fodder, 10 are, 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 are fighters, one is the warrior, he'll bring the others back, something like that. But it's 100% true. Chris will dig it up for me. Uh, there aren't that many people who lead the charge. That's why leaders are so critically important. They're so critically important. That's why I've been, that's why, I mean, I, you know, I don't wave anybody's pom-poms. But that's why I've been so all about Heavy D in Florida right now. Because you see, what happened? The second Heavy D went out and signed an executive order against vaccine passports. All these other GOP governors line up to sign. Why did they do it? Because one guy was bold enough to lead. That's why I'm so hard on our own side for succumbing to the left's narrative all the time and laying down and, and not fighting. We just need a few people to be bold enough to lead. And then we can be, other people will be inspired by that, but most of the time they don't. Oh, yeah, the quote is out of 100, 10 shouldn't be there, 80 are targets, 9 are fighters, 1 is a warrior. He will bring the others back. And it's 100% true. There just aren't many. But if you don't ever get that warrior, well, where does that leave the hundred? They're gone. Email. Here we go. A few of your recent recent shows hit home specifically about the tunnel rats and, and today's listener question about veterans and your response. My dad and I didn't have the best relationship growing up, but when he was stricken with cancer in 2015, I quit my career and became his full-time caretaker. It was a three-year saga where anything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, but we were never closer, and the strong Vietnam vet made it 30 months past his expiration date. How about that? He needed strong painkillers to deal with everything, and when feeling his oats, the best he could, the best he could he'd tell me a couple of stories from Vietnam that he'd never talked about before, gave me a lesson on the tactics of World War I stupidity that you may have been proud to have told on lessons from history and how a lot of things hadn't changed. And frankly, by 2015, his decades-long diehard support of Ron Paul seemed prescient instead of the crazy it seemed when I first saw his bumper sticker, so his rants on politics were better received. I learned about his hobbies and find myself now enjoying things I never thought I would. Would you give any advice to children of PTSD survivors on how to connect with their fathers without the extreme circumstances it took us? And my answer for you is this. And this is going to be not at all the answer you want. And I'm sorry about that. But if you're not connected with your dad, one, it hurts. Two, you're probably never going to be. And that is, the, that is a crappy thing to say. And I genuinely mean that. I'm sorry to say it. But it is true. Uh, your dad, a dad who's stricken with that, with PTSD, who's, who's got that tearing at him, he probably will have that tearing at him till the day they put him in the ground. And all you can do is be there, have some grace, be patient with him. Don't expect more than you're going to get. Because honestly, it probably takes something like him dying for you guys to actually connect. That's not at all uncommon. 
People start looking around when they're getting ready to check out here, and they start realizing, I, I want I want something different. I want to make sure I tie up loose ends. I want to make sure I make wrongs right before I go. It's part of the reason I will tell you, not to make this about me, but everything's about me, Chris. But in all seriousness, when people, because we get all these emails in about people who, uh, and it's always complimentary. It's not mean, but it, people who say, you are an absolute nut with the crazy chances I've taken. And the all-in things I've done. I mean, I'm always going all-in, taking wild chances in, in my entire life. It's just been a wild 39 years. I live my life from this perspective. And you can say it's dark or, or a bit morbid, you know, and maybe you're right. I live my life from a deathbed perspective. When I'm on my deathbed, what am I going to wish I would have done? Am I going to wish I would have put on a uniform instead of keep trudging through college? Yep, that's I would have wished I'd have done it. So I did it. Am I going to wish that I just boldly ran for Congress without any regard for anything? Yep, screw it. How many people can say they did it? So I did it. Am I going to wish I quit my job and moved across the country without another job just to find something better? Yep, so I did it. That's, that's how I ended up here because of that because I've seen enough death. And I've seen enough of these scenarios. And the worst thing you see when someone's checking out of here, the worst thing you see is regret. Is regret. I, I mean, people uh, people think I'm a good father. I am not. I love my sons. I routinely screw up all the time. All the time. But I will tell you this. I'm far from perfect about it. But when... When I go to all my son's games or go to their, uh, they have something, some awards, some boring awards thing at school or something like that or, or, or anything along these lines, and I'm going to all of them, the reason I'm going is I've seen a ton of on your deathbed, oh, man, I, I should have probably been to more stuff with my kids instead of working that extra 10 hours that day. It's not that I don't want to work. You know, I'd rather work, but... I don't want that regret hanging over me. I've seen that kind of regret. And Lord knows I've screwed up enough. I'm going to have plenty of regrets. I don't need fatherhood regrets too. Based on what you said about where you grew up slash lived, I assume you have dealt with the Canadian geese. These creatures invade your property and literally do nothing but sit or stand around all day and poop and look clueless. They also either wake you up or startle you with their obnoxious honking which is so dang loud. I love all of God's creatures, but I struggle with this one. What purpose do they serve? Is it against the law to harm them? So do you have any tips slash tricks for keeping them off your property? Also, if you could somehow stop being so handsome, it would make life easier for everyone. Just consider it. Gianna is her name. She also says, thank you, Jesse and Jewish producer Chris. You guys are the best. I do have a solution to your Canadian geese problem. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. I normally talk about people who dip when I'm talking about Jake's Minchu, but allow me for a moment to talk to their friends and family members. You see, when I was dipping, 
What I would get, and I'm sure it's what you get as well, if you're a dipper, you get a lot of people saying, you need to quit that. Oh, that's bad for you. You need to quit that. You should quit that. That's bad. Hear me out, everybody. I understand that comes from a place of love. That does not help somebody who's dipping. What does help them is presenting them with a solution. So if you have a friend or family member and you want them to quit dipping, put your finger away, no more lectures, get them some Jake's Mint Chew today. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get you 20% off. Jesse Kelly returns next. phony arguments suggesting that these are Second Amendment rights at stake from what we're talking about. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, they are. That's a, what? Yes, they are. <laughs> Gosh, it's the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. You've been invaded by Canadian geese. It's against the law to harm them. She wants tips slash tricks to keep them off your property. It's against the law for you to harm them. Is it against the law to purchase a pit bull of some kind? Do you know how much longer you're going to have a Canadian goose problem on your property if that pit bull snaps one of their necks? Not very much longer. I don't mean to be so direct, but that's who I am. You already know I'm a jerk. I am floored by the reluctance of people these days. Maybe it's Disney movies. Maybe I don't know what it is to address animal infestation problems. In Montana, we used to go through this all the time. We would go around to the ranches that were out there. as kids, We were 15, 16, 17 years old driving around with our rifles and we would simply drive right up to the rancher's house and say, hey, uh, you have any gophers you want us to kill? And he would, often, oftentimes, they'd hand you a box of shells. Yeah, here's, some, here's a bunch of 22 shells. Please, go kill them all. And you just go kill them because they're wrecking his livestock and wrecking his life. I remember that story a little while back about the, uh, I think they were peacocks. Peacocks in Florida were attacking people and running cars off the road and stuff like that. And I was just blown away. Go get a freaking shotgun and kill the peacocks. They're animals. They're not over you. They're not equal to you. I, and I'm not an animal hater. I, I, I love animals as much as the next guy. Dude, if it's an infestation, take care of it. If Canadian geese are ruining my quality of life, they ain't going to be around much longer. I promise you that. We had uh, uh, rabbits do that at my house. In We had a house in Tucson. And the rabbits there were just absolutely ravenous. And they were tearing up the yard, tearing up everything, dig in, rip up the irrigation lines, tear up everything. Well, we lived in a suburban neighborhood, so I couldn't get a 22 right down to the store, bought a, one of those pumpable, high-powered pellet rifles, 
Okay, rabbits, it is what it is. Before you know it, I'm cracking the sliding glass door, rifle barrel out the window, whack, whack, dropping those things like flies. Soon, no more rabbits, no more damage to the yard. It blows me away that we live in a world now where that's not the norm. That's how you handle animal problems. There's, you're not going to talk them out of it. Dr. World Famous Sunroof Guy. You know what? This is not right. This is not right. The sunroof thing is not right. We are sadly losing our republic. Which of the following factors do you think hurt us the most getting to this point, or is there not, or is there another not on the list? One, people don't read anymore, like the 1800s. Two, growth of the system in corruption. Three, getting involved in World War I and the change of foreign policy. Four, prosperity equals laziness and our younger generations are slipping. Five, our reliance on system schools to educate our kids. Six, communist infiltration. Infiltration. Seven, too many Italians. <laughs> Thanks. I love the show. He says I can read his name on the air. His name is Nick. Prosperity is what got us. Prosperity. Look, all those other things are excellent points, and they all contributed to it. But the arc of history, that's what you know, is the reason we study it every day on the show. The arc of history says you're going to have a certain amount of focus and certain amount of, you know, ambition when you are trying to work your way to the top. Once you get to the top, and we are, are and were very much at the top. It's just really hard to maintain that. What, Chris? What about the growth of the system that didn't stop it? Well, it contributed to it, but understand this. The the system was only allowed to grow because we were uh, – look, this is something we have to face is the right. And maybe not you individually, maybe not me individually, but this is something we have to face the right. We allowed this to happen. For years and years, decades and decades and decades, we allowed this to happen. I mean, how long ago do you remember? Uh, if you're, you're angry now about cultural rot. And remember they had some like 11-year-old drag queen kid dancing to music on Good Morning America? And the hosts are cheering and whatnot? And people look at this, wake up now and look at this, and they're like, oh, the horror. Did you stop them from removing the Ten Commandments from your schools 50, 60 years ago? These battles were lost because people didn't want to fight as much as the communist hordes wanted to take over. It didn't want to stop them. And so now, I mean, it sucks now, but now, now we're in a bind. Now there are parts of this that I don't believe can be saved. That's not, that's not being doomsday. I'm just trying to recognize where we are and what we have to do going forward. That's why I tell everybody to balkanize. I do not believe the federal system can be saved. I do not. I believe you should get to a state, a town, an area of, of full of people who think like you do with your cultural values. So the rest of your life and hopefully your kids' lives and their kids' lives and their kids' lives will be better. I believe that for the rest of my days, until the day they put me in the ground, I will exist in a system that is entirely hostile to me and wants to destroy me. I, I, I will I just I, – and frankly – I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on you. I believe my sons will eventually die in that exact same system. I I think we are decades and decades and decades away from solving this because we haven't even started reversing it yet. It's not as if we've reversed it and we're gaining ground. Pause and think about this for a moment. 
I, I know it's it's easy because people want to look at the next thing and think there's hope there. So right now people are looking at the midterms. Uh, I think we could take back the House at the midterms. Okay, well, we probably are. Uh, maybe we can win the presidency in 2024. Well, good. I hope we do. You know, it's Obviously, I'll be rooting for that. I'm going to try as hard as I can for it. And that stuff is important. But we had four years of President Trump. Two of those four years, we had the House, Senate, and the presidency. And we continued to be wiped out in every other part of the culture. This is so much bigger than politics. This is an infestation in our culture. And really, even though I've said this before, it sounds cliche and whatnot, but it's a patriotism problem. It's just really hard for a nation, our nation, any nation in the history of mankind to continue and continue being a success when half the country hates the place. How do you appeal to that person? Well, this, you and I will try to appeal to somebody. Well, that's, uh, that's bad for America. Well, that's music to their ears. They're like, yeah, America sucks. I mean, you, you tell Democrats now, anyone on the left now, you know, this immigration surge, you better change your rhetoric. This is ruining the country. They think the country deserves to be ruined because that's what they've been taught. They've been taught no appreciation, no, no amount of gratefulness for the country in which they reside. And so they believe this is an evil, sexist, racist, homophobic place that is imperialist and deserves to be brought to its knees. So if they don't, if your citizens don't love your country, you're in deep trouble. Why do you think Japan whitewashes their history so much, especially the atrocities and stuff like that in World War II? You can yell at them for that. I think Japan knows that a successful nation is a patriotic nation. And that if you're, if you're going to overplay your hand one way or the other when you educate your kids, you better be presenting them a good version of your country. Otherwise, you get a country full of people who hate the place like we have. All right. More Ask Dr. Jesse questions next. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself. I didn't. Now I do. Uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It is 
the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. It is an awesome Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I am churning and burning through the questions today, Chris. Yes, I am. I've gotten through like a record number of them today. I will not be besmirched. I will not have my reputation besmirched. Say, all right, this is the email. Say Heavy D gets elected president in 2024 and offers you either job of press secretary or chief of staff. Would you take one of those jobs? Which one? P.S. If you think Jen Psaki is hot, you don't have a commie fetish. You have a raggedy Ann fetish. That's not nice. You know what? That's not nice. And I didn't say hot. I said kind of hot. All right? That's what I said. I said kind of hot. And look, she could doll herself up a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, it's just these these women, especially these lefty women, totally shortchanged themselves with that I am woman, hear me roar crap. I, put on some lipstick, lady. Put, put put something in your eyes or something like that. Get to, put in an effort out there. What, oh, Chris? Oh, God, she's homely. Chris, that's not Chris. That's not That was not a nice voicemail, and I disagree. All right. I actually thought about, I've thought about this before. Um, what if the President of the United States of America, and he's somebody you support, what if he asks you to come join his cabinet, press secretary, chief of staff? What if he does it? This gets really, really hard. Look, it's easy. If, you know, you're sitting at home unemployed looking for work. What if, I mean, I have... I have fallen backwards into the most fun career in the history of mankind. After a lifetime of crappy jobs and not sure what I want to do, and and this thing has taken off like a rocket, which is really a miracle from God. So what do I do? What do I do in 2024? Let's assume we haven't been run off the air yet. What do I do? If, and look, I don't know the man. That phone call is not going to come. It's just a what if scenario. What do I do if that if that phone call comes? Hey Jesse, come be chief of staff. I will tell you, man, it involves moving your family back to D.C. I moved away from Washington, D.C. on purpose. I don't think I could do that to them, Chris. But then again, I can't be without them. I need to hang with my boys. I would feel an obligation to do it. I would feel like it was my duty to do it, to go be chief of staff. What? Chris said he would want to do it just because it's a cool job. You're an idiot. You don't give up this for that. You don't understand how horrible it is to live in places like D.C. and stuff like that and how miserable that job would be. Oh, and by the way, I would not be press secretary. I would be chief of staff. And let me tell you what, there would be a lot of firings. Like the second I walk into the White House, I'll probably fire the cook. I'll fire all of them. One of the biggest mistakes, if not the biggest mistake Trump made was not firing enough people, which is ironic because that's what he was famous for doing is firing people. No, no, no. You you have to realize the entire system is full of people who hate your guts and will kneecap you at every turn. I will walk in there and it'll be like Genghis Khan storms into the Charismian Empire. I will just be taking heads Every single day. I would. I would absolutely slaughter him. Um, man, that would suck, though. Don't call me heavy day. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Dr. J. Steele, PhD. I forgot to tell everybody. That's my fault. Forgot to tell everybody. I, as you know, have given myself the nickname Steele because I think it sounds cooler. And 
I think it's awesome when people only use an initial. So from now on, it's J. Steele Kelly. What's the deal with communists and trains? After Jay Pudding, <laughs> that was Joe Biden, recent total cogent comments, I'm wondering why it is they love, he's asking why communists love trains. It's kind of a weird sentence, but it's not that they love trains. It's that they love control. The trains, what are trains? I mean, obviously extremely valuable for a time, but what are they now? They keep you on one area from place to place, from one specific place to the next specific place. Why do you think they're constantly going after rural America? Because it's so much easier to command and control people when you stuff them all in these gigantic urban dumps and then take away their guns and tell them they're beholden to you for safety. Dear Dr. J. Razorback Kelly, I like that, Chris. I'm going to turn 40 in a few weeks, and I want some advice on what to gift myself. The final options are a compound bow, throwing axes, a long weekend with the boys away from the wives. Destination is your choice. Well, I don't know how you can go wrong with throwing axes. I'm going to be full. Look, full disclosure here. Full disclosure. I understand this is immature. I understand it's a little dark. And I understand it's unsafe. I have wanted a, a, a tomahawk for a long time. If you see, like, you know, I love Indians. I, I just always have Comanches and Apaches. And I just, I've, I, as a kid, we play Cowboys and Indians. And half the time I'd want to be the Indians. I just I always thought they were really cool. That kind of guerrilla warfare stuff. And I've always wanted a tomahawk. And if you look up the tomahawks they have now, they're sweet. I mean, carbon, st- I mean, th- th- sweet. I have daydreamed maybe once or twice about someone breaking in my home and grabbing a tomahawk instead of my guns. I just think, I understand you're not supposed to say this to other people, so I'm going to go ahead and say it to the million people who are listening. I just think it would be a really cool notch on the belt. That's all I'm saying. What, Chris? You can be, we can be honest about stuff. Don't you think that would be cool? And think, look, how much cooler is it if you threw it at him? Intruder breaking in your house, charging down the hall, going for your kids, and you just pull a whoom and just stick it right in his forehead. Dead what? I understand if you miss, you've given him your weapon. No, I wouldn't want to throw it at him unless I had a backup tomahawk. Notice he said throwing axes, not throwing axe. You 100% go throwing axes and you throw one. You make sure you throw one. You have to, in that moment though, you have to be smart enough to know glory is on the line. You have to take one throw. I understand lives are at stake. You have to make one throw and try to make it happen. Oh, wise one. What, Chris? He is the wise one. That's why we email him. (laughs) I live in the communist state of New York. Don't judge me. I grew up here. He's talking about, uh, he goes on to talk about baseball games, wants to travel for baseball games, thinks this would be a great up yours to the, uh, to the lockdown states like New York if he's going to fly to Texas and pack the baseball stadiums. Well, I mean, you do what you want. Like I said, I'm not, not here to ever judge anybody or tell anyone what to do. I'm not, I'm not packing any baseball stadiums. I'm not spending a dime on baseball. Major League Baseball just openly declared war on me. 
They just openly declared war on you because of a basic voting ID bill in Georgia. They drew their line in the stand. They stand firmly with the communists and firmly against you. And they, they put their money where their mouth is. Speaking of purposeful, you know what a big deal it is to move an all-star game out of an area, the logistics involved in that. And what I don't care that it was a little ways away. You know how big of a deal that is? They did it. That's how committed they are to taking it to you. I'm going to be committed enough. I'm not watching any baseball. I'm not spending a dime on baseball. I'm not turning it on in my television. I am going to start declaring war on the people who have declared war on me. Period. End of story. That said, I do understand your point. It would be a great way to stick it to the COVID lockdown idiot governors out there. We are not done yet. One more segment. Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I helped a human being out greatly, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Out. Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. One more segment on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. So let's see if we can churn and burn here. Dear Dr. Cheetah Killer, J. Steele Kelly. What, Chris? Thanks for the heads up on the black pepper on mac and cheese. Game changer. If you're not drowning your mac and cheese in black pepper, you are doing it wrong. Doing it wrong. All right, continuing. To freeze or not to freeze, what say you, Shogun Sugar Plum of Truth? He's asking about Cadbury cream eggs. I must admit something to you. I'm not that big on them. And I, you know what Cadbury cream eggs have figured out? And this is just a fact. This is a fact of life. They have figured out you always leave the party too early instead of too late. What does that mean? 
The only reason Cadbury cream eggs are remotely a thing is they limit when you think they're available. Otherwise, you would never pick one up again. This is a lesson for you fellas. It's a lesson for you ladies in the dating game, too. Pay attention to what I'm saying to you. I'm not saying you have to be a jerk, ignore people, stiff people, whatever. What I am saying is this. If she thinks you're going to call her tomorrow, wait one extra day. Ladies, same for you. Had a great date with him. He drops you off at the house, gives you a little kiss on the cheek. You get home. You got butterflies still in your stomach. Oh, he's so cute. He's funny, too. He's the one I'm going to marry. I love him. Maybe I should send him six more text messages with emojis right now to see if he's thinking about me. Don't. Stiff him for half a day. Trust me, it works. It absolutely works. It's human nature, and it's applicable to everything. You want to know about things I teach my sons? I teach my sons this about conversations. People love to talk. People love to talk about themselves. When you're in the middle of a conversation, always, always, always err on the side of silence. Be a little mysterious. Let them talk. Ask them questions about themselves. Don't talk about yourself. It works. It 100% works all the time. Be Leave the party early. Leave the party. Oh, man, I wish. Be the guy who leaves and they have a conversation of, oh, man, I wish, I wish Jewish producer Chris would have stuck around. He was a blast. Don't be the guy everybody's looking at saying, oh, gosh, is he going to leave yet? Much better to err on that way. Cadbury cream eggs is exhibit A of this. You have a very, very, very average candy that gets popular. Why? It's only available at Easter time. Get serious. And I'll tell you something else, and this is going to hurt. The McRib does this too. If the McRib was that good, they'd have it on the menu year-round. They know they can keep snatching it away from you, and you will crave it. Why do you think the brand-new TV or, or Xbox or headphones or whatever comes out, and they have them sitting in the storeroom in the back, they let them sell out, and they don't restock them? Sorry, won't be getting any more in for a few days. You know that's always a lie, right? They have them right there in the back. Does it make sense? They should want the sale. No, they're driving you nuts. I need it. I have to have it. Can I put my name on the list? You know, restaurants, sometimes when restaurants open or they're doing a grand reopening, sometimes they will actually pay people or enlist family and friends to fill up the restaurant and put a little line outside, making it look like people are waiting. Why? Because you walk by and think, oh, Oh, that's where everyone wants to be. They must have something there. You walk by the empty restaurant and you think to yourself, ah, probably sucks. Fact of life. Shogun, a few things. I don't think Je- I don't think 20 Jesse Kellys, no matter how handsome, can take down a grizzly bear. If 27-year-olds attacked you, do you think the first 18 would wear you down and numbers 19 and 20 could finish you off? What would be the specific strategy of numbers 19 and 20? They'd have some trouble choking the bear out. A grizzly is not a cheetah. (sighs) Okay. 
eventually it gets to a number. When I said 20 Jesse Kellys was the number to take down a grizzly bear, I was simply thinking of of muscle mass and the amount of energy expended. It might be 30, it might be 40, but the point is there is a number, right? We can all agree there is a number of some kind. I mean, how would you beat it? Well, by the time you're able to hurt it, you're just going to have to beat it to death or something. I don't know. Which would actually probably take some time, too, because grizzly bear skulls are like boulders. That's why you can't kill them. A 9 millimeter round bounces right off a grizzly bear's skull. Isn't that incredible? They really are cool, cool creatures. Which is better, straight-up Triscuits or cracked pepper and olive oil Triscuits? I am a rabid traditionalist when it comes to Triscuits. I only get the originals. That's no disrespect to the new flavors that have come out, including the cracked pepper. I respect the cracked pepper, but I'm originalist. See if we can't get one more in. Hang on. thunderstorm. This thing destroys deadly viruses and bacteria protecting your home. Does that sound like a normal air purifier for you? And let me clarify, if you have one, you won't know what's there because it's not a two or three foot tower sitting in your room sounding like an airplane taking off. They're so quiet, I forget mine are there. No more itchy eyes. No more watery eyes, no more runny nose, no more sneezing 9,000 times a day. Why? Because it's also taking care of my allergies. It doesn't cover up odors. It eliminates them completely. It kills and prevents the spreading of mold, fungus, and mildew anywhere in your home. If this thing sounds incredible, it is. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE when you do that. That gets you 10 bucks off. If you missed any part of the now world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. You can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We have a situation here. The situation is this. These Ask Dr. Jesse questions you send in, they are they're piling up. Because if I don't get to them, I, I, if I don't get to them, I feel guilty not throw. I feel guilty just throwing them away because there are great ones I don't get to over the course of a show. I now have. Can you hear this? Is this? Can can everyone on the radio hear this? I have a stack. It looks like the New York City phone book of Ask Doctor Jesse questions in my hand. I am considering doing an Ask Doctor Jesse week where we clean these bad boys out. I will keep you updated on that. In the meantime, keep your head up. That's all.
Jesse Kelly Show. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.